a podcast to honor the gods. This better come with a sacrifice. Dave's X Media. You okay? <laughs> yeah, I had had little 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 kitty burps and didn't want to like <laughs> lean in and like give a big jil- juicy belch talking about blood eagles because it especially after being like i did a cannibalism uh panel you know just the, the juxtaposition of those probably uh sit a little awkwardly Hello, scaredy cats. Welcome back to the Super Scary Podcast. I am your ghostess with the mostest, Josh. And uh, today we have a fabulous episode ahead. Um, It's a movie that I've been wanting to talk about for a while. We're talking about Midsummer today uh, to kind of slowly round out our A24 season. Um, Thankfully, the strikes have ended, but I just wanted to knock all these A24 movies out right away. Um, and I have a fabulous guest with me. I have a another local uh, Virginia podcaster, which is exciting, mm-hmm. new friend. Um, hello. So, hello. Uh, so we have Murphy from the Queerdo Babes from the Horror Podorama. Yeah, podcast. it's a mouthful. <laughs> yes. Queerdo Babes from the Horror Podorama, because I got mad that so many names were taken and I loved Lydia quickly. <laughs> there we are. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How are you, Murphy? I am wonderful. I'm with uh, my new friend, and we get to talk about horror. So this is literally all I want in life. And there's a cat nearby, so I'm set. I mean, what more could you ask for on a fine fall evening, right? Nothing respectfully. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, Murphy, you are... A fascinating person to me uh, because <laughs> you you host movie nights here in Richmond at um, a local club called Fallout. You also did some horror panels at the Nightmare Weekend, uh, which was like um, uh, a Galaxy Con kind of sponsored event here in Richmond. So, yeah. Um, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about your podcast and like all the other things that you do. Like, I I think you're just so fascinating. I'd love for you to share. Tell me all the details. Okay. So, um, Queerdo Babes came about from finally stop being cowardly and, and waiting around to do for like someone else to fuel my drive for horror. I did a panel back at this year's galaxy con on um queer representation in horror movies and about and for about that timeline and yeah. you know all the different things that we see and it you know i was just finally like you know what I'm doing it i'm doing it and this is going to be my excuse to nerd out with some cool people and to dig into horror movies horror theory to go into all of the films that i collect because i'm a horror for physical media. Can I swear on this podcast? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Okay. <laughs> now, I ask after I've said the word horror, of course. Um, <laughs> that's not a cuss word. It's just a flirtation. It's, it's fine. fine. Yeah. It's fine. 
that's practically my middle name. <laughs> Murphy Hor Lawless. Actually, I might keep that. Yeah. Um, and so I have just started, you know, we've done some full length recordings with guests. I've done some solo episodes, different things that uh, I've just been bouncing around in my brain. And then Nightmare Weekend, I thought to myself again, you know, I really love getting to talk about this. So, you know, what the heck, I'll try submitting for some more uh, panels. And I was able to get to do a panel on cannibalism and sexuality in horror. Uh, I kind of snuck that. I was like, yeah, it's definitely just about cannibalism and horror movies. Just kidding. We're also going to talk about the theory of objection and uh, how it's a discussion of sexuality. And we can talk about it as a dominating aspect. Uh, everybody cool. All right. Great. <laughs> um, and go. <laughs> and go. I have the slideshow still, if you're interested. Um, no, it it really takes me very little prodding to be on that horrifying border between conversational and info dumping. So um, I also did one on uh, on the very other end of the spectrum, which is on uh, G through PG-13 horror, because I also it's really important to me that we don't leave out that side of the horror community because there is so there's so much that can be done within the realm of horror and since horror is the realm of the other we really shouldn't discount you know that limitless possibility and you know it's just there are different gateways for everyone there's different yeah. ways to confront the fears and issues that we face at all ages to make them either palatable or to meet them head on as what they are, um, or just to have fun and be creepy. Cause all of that is totally fair. Uh, it's a, uh, it's fun to be scared sometimes. Yes. Well, so. we, we love to be scared over here, even though, you know, I'm the biggest scaredy cat in the world. The listeners know that <laughs> very well. Um, but oh, yeah, I 100% we, will sleep with the lights on if I have to. Oh, like, yeah. I'm an adult and I can make these calls. Dave. <laughs> 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 yes. And, um, and we love talking about G through PG-13 movies on this podcast as well, because I know a, a number of my listeners um, don't necessarily like horror movies. So sometimes mm -hmm. they listen to the podcast to just be like, I just want to know what happens. I oh, want to hear some, so you know, like, uh, like some hot takes. And then that way I don't have to watch <laughs> it, you know? <laughs> That's legit. Also, you know, sometimes like that helps people enjoy movies they may not otherwise be able to watch. Yeah. And the goal ultimately with media is to enjoy it in some facet. So that's why like, I don't think that there's a wrong way to enjoy it as long as you're not like completely just fucking it up for other people on a whim, you know? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, and honestly, people forget that one of the films that is still cited as one of the scariest horror movies, The Ring, is a PG-13 horror movie. Yeah. So uh, there's a lot we can do. <laughs> exactly. I mean, Insidious is one of mm -hmm. my favorite movies, and it's also one of the scariest to me. Just, I mean, that one jump scare alone where the, the lipstick demon is behind uh, Patrick Wilson. like Oh, Darth Maul. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Darth Maul. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm sorry. I should be more respectful. But no, no that's no. Please, that's please. Legit. I barely, I barely know the characters' names in these movies half the time. So, oh, that is why I'm like. I am captain of note taking. Like I have a notebook oh, yeah. in front of me. I have another notebook over there. I have like I basically just went out and bought my weight in note cards because uh like it helps me organize my thoughts and keep everything. like I've got all sorts of shit laid out. Yes. <laughs> so, there's no there's judgment over here. <laughs> <laughs> We are talking about Midsummer today, and when I uh, approached you about, um, you know, doing one of the A24 films, like, you immediately gravitated towards uh, this film and said that you had a lot of thoughts, and I'm very excited to get into it. Um, And do do you have any kind of opening thoughts about this movie? (laughs) Opening it's a loaded question about Midsommar. It is. It is. Um, actually, I, I'd love to counter that and ask you, do you think this is a good for her movie? It's not a right or wrong answer. It's just a curiosity thing. Yeah. Like good for her. And it's her okay if it's not the... 100% one way or the other. Yeah. I... Like a lot of people watched it and were like, good for her. Yeah, good for her. She got the Mm -hmm. stupid boyfriend out of her life. (laughs) But also (laughs) not so good. Okay. (laughs) But also not so good for her because now she's stuck with this cult. Like she has no way out. So. (laughs) See, that was going to be my my curiosity um, because so much. This film is so interesting to me because while we are watching this our our main character get sucked into and preyed upon by this cult and you know a plethora yeah. of smarmy douchebags that's of course you know minimizing their characters <laughs> but yeah. you know we ourselves are having those cult tactics used on us by the film like the film follows the same beats that the hargas used to you know desensitize and then draw her in and so i just i love that like right off the bat you get your big shock and then you know you move in and there is a couple other things that now you're like okay well anything could happen and i'm just ready for that and so we're more okay yeah. with it and then by the time we get to the the bear we're just like fuck him <laughs> yeah but you know <laughs> what happens to danny alone in that field <laughs> yeah i uh well yeah first off we just have to like commend florence Pugh because she delivers such oh my god yeah it's so good and her range of emotion that she conveys just in like the flexing of her face is amazing like you know and obviously like you know it's easy to joke and a friend of mine told me that they they can't unsee like this pouty spongebob character when they see her now in that film and i can see it but at the same time like grief isn't pretty so you know (laughs) um 
I'll have to see if I can send you, if I can find the the picture they sent me where I was like, oh, God damn it. You've just wrecked me. Why would you do yeah. this? <laughs> Please send that to me. I would Ugh. love to see it. I, I love any well, memes I, that, I, that are related to horror movies. Um, yeah, I, I love Florence Pugh. I think... Um, I think I was first kind of introduced to her through the MCU because she's in Black Widow as Mm. um, Black Widow's sister. I think it's Yelena, I think is her name, Um, in the film. And then, um, you know, Midsommar was um, one of Florence's like breakout roles in 2019 because otherwise she's just been in very like indie productions. And then... um, Mm -hmm. Last year, she was in Don't Worry, Darling with Harry Styles and Olivia Wilde right. was the director and all the drama and controversy of the behind the scenes stuff with that. Um, oh my and gosh, then, I haven't heard about that. We have to talk about that later. Oh my God, yes. It's okay. it's a lot. <laughs> apparently, <laughs> in short, um, apparently Florence and Olivia Wilde had some like tension like behind the scenes like they didn't like each other and then um olivia wilde cheated on her husband supposedly allegedly with harry oh. styles um oh okay yeah, yeah it's a lot um <laughs> okay so we take this energy and we do uh, a remake of whatever happened to baby jane i'm gonna yes. I'm just, we're just gonna put them both right in there and we're gonna do it <laughs> I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh my goodness. This actually was my introduction to Florence. Um, And I knew that she had done um, Lady Macbeth before, but I just haven't had the opportunity to watch it. And I, I'm just in love with her from, from Midsommar. Like her, her performance is so captivating I feel like if this was just her reacting on a screen for an hour, I would still be watching it, you know? Yeah. Um, A lot of that is what this movie is, is just like her, like digesting, like what's going on. And then just like flipping and like, whether it's happy, sad, whatever, like it's just, you just see it. And like, it's very clear <laughs> what she's yeah, going through with very minimal It's her words. desperately trying to mask. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, she was also in Oppenheimer earlier this year, and she was great mm. in that as well. Um, in short, she was uh, like Oppenheimer's like side piece. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, gotcha. Uh, yeah. So, um, but there was, I think her character like went through something traumatic in that as well. So like she, mm-hmm. again, a lot of the, the facial like reaction, right. to things, you know, and um, Ari Aster directed this film. He also directed hereditary as well, which we're talking about next week. Um, and both are, oh, I will listen. Yes, um, so we're gonna sorry. have uh, we're gonna have the guys from Sca- the Scared Gay podcast on, and they're they're hoot. Um, and that's uh, wonderful. Yes, um, but yeah, both films are are great in that 
first they kind of sparked this movement of like elevated horror right so like them these two movies as well as the mm-hmm. witch are kind of in the subgenre of yeah. like taking yeah taking something that's more of like a drama and just adding horror elements into it so i like that particularly well um it's the resurgent of about it. it's the resurgence of the art house horror for sure like it's um oh yeah you know I, it's the the term elevated horror always like makes me like squint um and not necessarily at like <laughs> you know horror fans that use it but as it's i squint more at like, like critics and other movie people that use it like because it it reminds me of so much of when people like want to say oh it's okay that i'm into this it's elevated or it's a thriller it's not really horror but we've had these like you know these art house horror and the horror blending with other genres you know throughout the entire history and i think that in a way like it's it's really kind of it makes me kind of like giggle a little because sometimes when someone's like, Oh yeah, elevated horror really works for me. I'm just like, "Mm, you found something new that scared you. And in this case, like (laughs) it's one of the things that I really love about Midsommar is that so much of it takes place in sunlight. And I, I love like creepy daytime horror, like, you know, to that we can relate easily to this with like some of those folk horror vibes are the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and the Wicker Man, of course, you know, obviously we get lots of Wicker Man vibes with this. Um, But it's, uh, you know, it's definitely something that I think the, the creation of this film was incredibly well thought through. And I think the direction they took it is a lot better than where it started because he actually got approached about making a like a horror movie around like the midsummer holiday by um be real films a swedish company and initially they had approached him to do like a cult like slasher kind of movie and i'm actually really glad that we didn't get that like don't get me wrong i will watch the hell out of that too um I'm I'm not saying no, but I think that having this film that straddles like it gives us this breakup and then kind of like encompasses it like on one half we have folk horror and on the other half we have a fairy tale and like just nothing ends up as happy as it appears. Right. And you know, it's it's um so it's something that uh, I've very much enjoyed and uh, I had to question myself after I watched it because I was just like, hmm, yes, I feel at peace now. Worried for her, but at peace. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, I think I should talk about this with my therapist. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But they, they really went all out and developed a whole like affect language of like, like spoken physical and runic systems to use. And so they really just like, fleshed out this world and i love it when a film does that that you know that there is like they probably have the entire lore of this commune even though we're only seeing a week-long snippet of it yeah and i think i think ari aster did 
uh, something like this with the hereditary film as well, where he just wrote mm-hmm. like pages and pages of backstories for each mm-hmm. of the um, family members from, from that movie. But like, we don't see any of that, but somehow like we're kind of clued in on that. Like you're seeing right. a snippet of their life essentially, or what's left of their lives. anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> But I, best of luck, right? <laughs> um, going back to your point of um, it kind of being filmed in the daylight, and there's lots of color and lots of white. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, I, I think, a vulture interview that Ari Aster did, and he basically described this film as Wizard of Oz for perverts. <laughs> yes, I have that note as well. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> And, yeah, um, so sick of people asking him just like <laughs> yeah. it's just like yeah sure whatever <laughs> yeah <laughs> but um but it's kind of funny because like pearl which we talked about last week also has very similar references to kind of like that techno color era of like mm-hmm. the the 30s and 40s i think it was um you know so it's like very bright but there's just like so much like scary elements. There's a lot of uncanny. Yeah. Like it's it's that, you know, everything looks like it should be correct, but everything just feels wrong. Yeah. It's um and you know, it's it's that like the normal versus the slightly off and Midsummer does a really good job of maintaining that and having us constantly question reality um, between the use of like, you know, the, the, like the mushrooms and the other, like um, my brain is saying psychotic. That is wrong. Psychedelic. Thank you. (laughs) The more fun Psy one, (laughs) Um, the, the psychedelics and um, you know, the hallucinogenic uh, properties, the things and like we don't know how much was actually in their food throughout the film, apart from when they were telling them like, Oh yeah, it has special properties. Um, they knew then. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Totally fine to chug this. Yeah. Absolutely. And now spin in circles and, uh, yeah, it'll be great. Like it's crazy to me that, because I'm, I'm assuming that the rest of the cult is also like taking these hallucinogens. Mm-hmm. So them like spinning around, like, like the women at the end are like doing that competition for May Queen and then yeah. like, spinning around. And I'm like, I can't imagine that that would be fun with, I, you know, whatever you're taking. <laughs> maybe it's like the Harga version of like the, the dance competition where it's just an endurance contest. Like you're not, like really trying to dance you're just doing the steps oh, maybe. and your endurance is what counts uh it's the you know the uh the old mistake as as parodied so many times in uh you know golden girls and always sunny and things like that where <laughs> they're like well i'm gonna show off my moves well, that's great well it's an endurance competition not a skill competition yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um and it's it's remarkable to me like how much i am like i immediately like want to be on that side where i'm like yes this is fucked up however 
like I'm so excited when when Christian gets it. <laughs> yes. Like, him in particular. Um just through all of his like rises and falls. And yes, I know like you know speaking as like the beginning where you can see that they're both like they both should have had the conversation. They both should have just sat down and been like, I don't think this is working for either of us. Yeah. And then, you know, would he have still probably ended up dead in a bear suit? Yeah. Cause he was still going to go to Sweden. <laughs> yeah, that, that is true. Like his fate was kind of imminent, but like right. errors could have been easily avoided. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, let, let's, I mean, we could go probably for hours on and on about Danny and Christian's relationship. Oh, yeah. And that's, like, aside from, like, kind of the more graphic scenes in this movie, like, their toxic relationship is probably the most triggering thing about this movie. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And it's like, and that's saying something. And, like, just that first conversation out the gate when she calls him and is like hey my sister like sent me this really weird email like apparently it's like it's really scary yeah Yeah, it's really scary but like obviously like something's off about this one particular thing but like i'm sure christian's like with his buddies and they're probably like hyping him up to say like a lot of this shit of like oh yeah oh she you know she's doing this for attention like blah blah blah. i'm like y'all need a therapist like just from that like two minute conversation oh yeah so much so yeah i mean apparently danny has a therapist i think christian says at one point in the beginning but i was like you are not helping her mental state (laughs) no but it, that also makes sense to me while like Danny is is seeing someone because she is she is trying to work on herself. And she I think at one point says that she's um, a psychology major or something like that. Like her yeah. field is in something relating to um, mental health, whereas like Christian is always sort of like floating or like he always is kind of this like indecisive vulture you know he Mm -hmm. um he is with danny because there's not another like open thing where he's like yes i want to do that so he's with danny because he might want her back later uh and then he's doing anthropology because there's so many options and so he's gonna go to sweden but he doesn't know oh but now i'm here and this is a great topic and i'm gonna do this even though my one of my best friends is already doing this topic oh my god Um, yeah um never mind the gaslighting thesis stealing that's why he should burn (laughs) right yeah Like, like gaslighting is like the um like the million dollar word of the day for oh, for, yeah. for Christian. Like he, he gaslights Danny. He's like gaslighting his friends of like, mm-hmm. well, I don't know. Like, oh, also she's coming like to yeah. Sweden. But um you guys are supposed to pretend that you invited her. And, and it's just Yeah. Like, Be it's, happy. I, and like, then what? <laughs> yeah. And she's and even she's even like, I don't know what I'm doing here. And I think that the only person that genuinely 
is excited that she is coming is Pele. And that's because Pele, being a member of this cult, knows what he's looking for. And she is a prime target. Oh, yeah. You know, she she was already not getting support from Christian. She still feels that lack of support, like clearly. And now she is drifting with zero familial connections. We hear one friend of hers, but we never see any friends of hers. And so she is detached, emotionally volatile, you know, just in this, in this like maybe lot, but very lost state. Like this is, it's, it's, you know, the perfect cult susceptible state, unfortunately. Yeah. I don't know if you know anything about Scientology, but like Mm -hmm. I've watched the Leah Remini show Mm -hmm. where she's like, like she used to be a Scientologist and then like, she's. Holy shit. They let her escape. Well, I think she escaped and then like started talking about it. So like the Scientologists were like, I have been threatening her. (laughs) Like, oh yeah, god yeah it's scary but like she she's a badass bitch so she's mm-hmm. gonna fight back but my point to this is like yeah the way the cult was kind of like preying on danny it kind of reminded me of some things that like i saw on that tv show that leah was like talking about how scientology mm-hmm. operates and like tries to get these people to like come in because like it's essentially a cult uh don't don't cancel me. <laughs> but, <laughs> <That's> you know, <laughs> well, they don't like the gays anyway, so it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a broke bisexual non-binary bitch. They don't need me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they don't need me to join their call. It's fine. We're all fine. <laughs> Great. It's fine. I'm just going to go to therapy and cry about that too. It's fine. Exactly. It's fine. <laughs> the Scientologists don't even want me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, into the future (laughs) anyway um yeah (laughs) my point more so is just like like you can tell that from the get-go and i was like "Uh, i need to keep an eye on pele like Mm -hmm. there's something going on there um and but his Christian and his friends, aside from Pele, uh, well, maybe Pele too, to a certain extent, they're all like the typical straight, mm-hmm. like ma- male friend group. Yeah, it's, like depicted in like sitcoms, like even even like the um, the relationship that Danny and Christian have. Like, I feel like it's the type of relationship that we see in a sitcom that's usually played up for like comedic effect. Like, yeah. do you do you know what i'm saying like i do that that like it's the core group of bros and like one of them has girlfriend troubles and oh man you really need to focus on school no man you need to focus on girls like that sort of thing um except played in a more realistic fashion for you know people that are either feeling competitive with one another or you know like like they're friends they're clearly all friends but you know each of them has their own motives and their way of caring about each other isn't necessarily the healthiest so right i think we see a lot of that reflected but like it is kind of nice to see like like 
a group of dudes sitting around having pizza being humans without like a laugh track behind them because Mm -hmm. i feel like we're more likely to get a group of like feminine presenting people doing that yeah um and so like having that flip was really interesting um but yeah there's there's just that uh like the setup of dread right from the outset dread and you know like you're just you're already like oh man she is she is alone already and doesn't know it <laughs> right yeah and she's like try like throughout this entire movie up until the end pretty mm-hmm. much she is making excuses for this man yeah like this well, man begging him to talk to her <laughs> yeah this man forgot her birthday mm-hmm. <laughs> and forgot like how long they've been together in like the next scene like literally yeah. five seconds later and i'm like like what like you've been together for four years and you don't know when her birthday is <laughs> like it's just, like and and that's what that's what kind of sparked this thought of like this is kind of like a sitcom couple Mm-hmm. like these are things that would be in an episode like mm-hmm. oh we don't know and it also reminded me of i don't know if you've seen mr and mrs smith with brad pitt and angelina oh, yeah. jolie oh my gosh and, it's been years but yeah yeah in the the beginning scene they're like talking to a therapist or whatever and they're fighting about how long they've been together whether it's been four years or five years <laughs> and i was like oh my gosh. i was like this I is like ripped out of like and that's kind of like a comedy action film so it's like yeah again presented in like a comedic fashion and it's like but the, like you said this is like presented in a more realistic way i think mm-hmm. um and i wrote down when <laughs> when she says hey like he forgot his he forgot her birthday she's talking mm-hmm. to pele and Pele's like oh pele gives her like a drawing right yeah the drawings he did of her conversation yeah um so he's like already preying on that and he's like oh i know the christian forgot but i'm gonna present Mm -hmm. this little drawing like hey girl right (laughs) and then is also gonna bring up the fact that like i wanted to console you about your tragedy and uh and also yeah it's and then we'll (laughs) deflect and circle back to it when she's trying to focus on something else and when she wants to leave and yeah like oh i'm an orphan too i lost my family when i was very young too and then at the end of the film i'm like how did you lose your family pele (laughs) how old were they Were they 72 by chance? <laughs> right. For example. <laughs> Were they volunteers? Um, oh, that too. Yeah, I didn't even think uh, of that. Oh, he said they burned in a fire. Mm-hmm. That's why I was like, oh. I didn't put that two and two together until just but- now. But we also like we're only seeing like their midsummer celebration. Um yeah. and I'm and I know that like there's some he makes some statement about like that like the may queen happens every year but like the big celebration is like once every 90 years yeah but i i'm still curious about like what the reality of that is and what all of their their customs is because there's clearly just every every layer of their society is is structured out and this is clearly something like they have a long history yeah. You know, this isn't like a single summertime cult. Like this isn't the summer of 69 with the Manson family. <laughs> you know, this is, 
this is an established place. Like they've got families. There are people growing up in this. Um, you know, they, uh, they know, and they, they have enough that they do controlled inbreeding to produce oracles, which is a whole other fucked oh, up. Yeah. Um, so some supremacist shit. Yeah. Um, like, <laughs> yeah. No, there's, there's, there's just a lot of things that are just like mentioned and then glossed over or like, uh, like one of the things that um, gets pointed out a lot is like Mark and all of his, um, you know, all of his flaws and all of his idiocy and like all of his, like, what the fuck are you studying in college? Cause <laughs> I genuinely like cannot tell. Um, presumably he's another anthropology student, but he is the only one that when they get there, he's like, why is there a bear? And instead of answering yeah. that question, he just says, it's a bear. Like he is, he's answering, what is it? And so he's like, no, but for real, can we talk about this bear that's just fucking sitting here in yeah. a cage? And yeah, they, uh, they look at so much of their, their fate painted on the walls of that, that house too. Like, I wonder, you know, if Danny has stayed with the the cult, like if she ever has a moment where she looks and sees basically like what happens to everyone in a painting on there. Yeah. And like the the whole um that like tapestry or whatever that kind mm-hmm. of you you get like a preview basically of what's like gonna happen later and i was like oh this might um (laughs) this seems wrong why do we have a tapestry depicting this as a very normal love spell yeah (laughs) so love spells yeah yeah Um, which you know i christian's a, a fuckhead and i'm fine with him being burnt in a bear suit but him getting raped is still fucked up yeah yeah like you know it's and i feel like not enough people recognize that for what it is because he's drugged and he isn't making the clearest choices he could so yeah it's a fucked situation all around but you know yeah and it's like the entire cult is like separating danny and christian Mm -hmm. (laughs) on purpose i mean he is the only non-harga male left alive at that point so i guess they needed outsider genetics oh god that feels feels really squicky to say but it's that is their that is that's their mo you know it's and like it's one of those things that like sometimes people i sometimes i feel like people gloss over this being a horror movie and i'm like okay now dig into it right dig your heels in and look at those details and you know and and so much of what i've looked at with this like like i said you know it's it's the breakup film sandwiched with like the men experiencing a folk horror movie or like the majority of the characters experiencing a folk horror and danny being in a fairy tale and if you speak out the beats like in the most basic sense of a girl loses her family and travels to a foreign country and finds loses her friends but finds a new family that's a fairy tale oh yeah and then if you go on to the folk horror side of you know christian where or the others where it's 
friends are together, they are in school, they go on a trip, one by one they die, and then are sacrificed. And those are the, the very basic, like, sandwich beats all around the two of them breaking up. Yeah. And then there's Pele doing Pele things. Yeah, he's just like, <laughs> he's just out and about, like... Yeah. <laughs> Hello, I'm Pele. I have successfully brought uh, five people. I am the winner. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what accent I was doing there. But... <laughs> <laughs> no judgment. No judgment. Okay. Um, the Duolingo owl failed me. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's... <laughs> That's... Um, the, the whole conversation, speaking of Christian and cringy mm-hmm. subjects, um, the whole conversation around Christian copying josh's thesis my my jaw my jaw dropped initially and then it kept uh, like i felt like my jaw continuously like like just elongating by the i thought i was gonna crack my teeth i was like i was like i was like what is what (laughs) yeah first he he walks in and he's like yeah, I figured out what I'm doing my thesis on. I'm not asking, I'm telling you. That's right. That's how he starts that conversation, which is... Of course, yeah. And I'm sure people will probably groan at this, but obviously there's a, like, racial component there that, like, his Black friend, who is smart, right. and who obviously... Who has been like, working so working, hard on this. Yes, working so hard. And then his white friend... right. <laughs> Is like doesn't know what he wants to do, is like trying to figure it out. Whatever, mm-hmm. just comes in and is like, I'm not asking. I'm telling you, but like I wanted right. to tell you so that you didn't hear it from somebody else. But like right. I'm also telling you, like he says that like multiple times. I'm like, but I'm open to co-authoring, even though I've done none of the work yet. I was like, I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, no, I yeah, that's and I don't think people should groan at that because like. This has been Christian's M.O. through the whole movie. He is indecisive until he finds something that he can quickly, like, prey on. Like, he can quickly be like, oh, okay, actually, I'm going to do that now. That seems great. This is all laid out for me. Yeah, this is is my personality now. It's right in front of me, so I'm going to adopt it. And I was like, like, what? Like, my jaw just kept, like, further and further dropping. I was like, what am I listening to? It's, it's like the most like i keep saying jaw dropping it was like the gobsmacking whatever you want to call it like i was baffled yeah the the absolute zero loyalty and audacity the audacity literally the audacity (laughs) i was oh my god i was crazy by the end of that scene. And then oh. then they're like basically competing for time with the elders mm-hmm. of like trying to get the information and they're like getting mad at each other because one person like got to talk to the elder about this and the other one did this and like they're not they- sharing the information. And right. It's like at the end of the day, like it doesn't fucking matter, but like because they all got killed off, but it's like <laughs> but it's it's the principle of the matter right, like right. there's and 
I I have to laugh at myself a little bit because like the more that I've rewatched Midsummer, this is the thing that I continue to get madder about. Yeah. Like like there are you know, there are definitive moments of like Danny seeing Christian for who he is, like periodically throughout the mm-hmm. the film, like especially when um you know, like when she has a comparison like against Pele um or when she thinks that um, Simon left Connie behind and is thinking oh, yeah. about it and says, oh, I could I could see you doing something like that. And he's like, excuse me? And she's like, yep, I could see that. And then <laughs> I, like, um, I said what I said. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. Do I have to repeat that so you can tell me I'm correct or <laughs> um, but there's. And and there's even more stuff like of him like trying to gaslight her about like how they should be okay with how you know the Harga do things, and her being like, yeah. no, that's pretty fucked up. Like her trying to push back, and his gaslighting actually works in you know <laughs> works to the advantage of the cult. But she she has these moments where like she sees him clearly, and that's a moment where he like he shows who he is to even his closest friends like those are supposed to be you know his his circle you know he's been telling them everything about his relationship they went on you know a, a trip to the the wilderness of another country together like they trusted yeah. each other as travel companions where there would not be anyone else to reach out to and him him being there for his friend in that moment looks like bt dubs your thesis is my thesis now um <laughs> yeah. but you it's can give power. me what you know <laughs> if you want yeah yeah, yeah. it's and uh, it's crazy. i'll be cool about it yeah just yeah like, I, if I didn't want you to be in the bear before, I do I, now. <laughs> it's just, and with them screaming, like the all the Harga screaming and letting their emotions out and all that, it would just be me going, "That's what you get, thesis stealer." <laughs> <laughs> I just, oh yeah, I, and it's it's so sad because whenever josh goes missing not me yeah for clarification um <laughs> yeah you better know right you're my friend now and i, I care okay yeah <laughs> um very productive yes <laughs> um yeah when josh goes missing and you know oddly enough the book also goes missing whatever their weird what? like bible oh the thing. ruby rather yeah, yeah yeah um when the elders approach danny and christian like christian is talking way too much first of all he's Mm -hmm. like almost implicating himself even though he had nothing to do with it yeah but But he just really wants to look so good yeah he's just like yeah we we are not his friend we are like it was like immediately discounting him and i was like oh my god this looks even worse (laughs) you just made the exact same face that danny made at him which is the like the the like what are you doing right now the like (laughs) wide-eyed like excuse me like what yeah. is happening yeah like he yeah. he wasted no time yeah he could yeah. he could have just said you know what like he was in bed we he woke up we woke up he wasn't there like i i don't know 
you know, right. and just left. Can we help that. you look for them? Yeah, like let's go look. Yeah. <laughs> like No, Josh would definitely do something like this. What the fuck, man? Yeah, like holy Hello? crap. <laughs> and like, like Josh was like the most respectful one of their group like he Mm -hmm. like obviously he's like doing his thesis on it but like he was very respectful to the elders and like like i i feel really bad that he like ended up getting killed off in the end i wonder if it's because he took pictures of the ruby router or if they always had these things planned um because it's it's hard to tell because there is so much there is so much um of eugenics in this cult yeah. like there's so much that they practiced and it's hard to imagine them not being um a little like racially motion motivated with their destruction of josh and their like i don't think they were necessarily like respectful of the bodies of anyone they murdered but you know such right. is the way with murder um but uh i'm also really curious about how much josh knew beforehand of like these rituals because josh was one of the people that was the calmest and seemed to know what was going to happen like when they went to the cliffs yeah um where they were just like what's going on and josh was just like you'll see (laughs) you'll see you didn't want to warn your friends first of all right especially like like like, i don't know just the way that I, i probably would have told danny before we even left the country like hey there's this ritual that they're probably going to do that'll probably trigger you. So like, yeah. cause they obviously don't want her there. Like, right. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, I probably would have like told her. Yeah. Like, and then hey, like, Hey, there's this thing. Are you thing. sure you want to do this? Yeah. Like, yeah. are you sure you want to go? Which yeah. probably would have came across like real, you know, douchey, but like, but you can you can dress that up in like caring yeah. guises to be like, hey, I know you just went through something really serious. And one of the things that we're going to be there during are, is the celebration. And this does happen like this is a thing that we could see. Are you sure that you want to subject yourself to that? And like you can dress that up so easily. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just I'm curious of of. Like the levels of knowledge. Obviously, this is not something that we'll ever find out. And I, I like not knowing as much as I'm like, no, tell me everything. I need to know. Like, does <laughs> did he Google the Harga and there's one person out there that's like, you know, the hermit in the woods that watches them and then runs to a library in like uh in Stockholm and is just like, All right, today I saw the Harga. <laughs> like, Ari Aster, we need this pretty cool movie, right? apparently. <laughs> Pele's childhood, please and thank you. Yes, yes. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, um, but, uh, yeah, yes. you know, it's just, my brain always goes to, to make up the, like, what is this timeline? <laughs> um, but <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting that this film, you know, the, the concept was kind of started out as like a Swedish cult slasher film mm-hmm. because there are scenes in this that are um kind of referencing like slasher films i would say Mm -hmm. um in particular you know i feel like it kind of flips the script i I think we kind of reference like the gender roles of 
um, of even like this friend group, so to speak, mm-hmm. that we see them kind of, you know, hanging out and like, you know, it's like more of a, a thing that we would see with like a, a feminine presenting right friends right um and we kind of see that similarly with with christian in the end he's kind of even though he's not presented as a final girl in any sense of the word but like right you know he's the one that's ultimately like he's naked and afraid Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is normally um you know for a a female presenting person in a right especially after like choosing to partake in or choosing quote unquote in this case um partaking in some sort of sexual activity exactly yeah Yeah. um so he's kind of the one that's like presented as naked and afraid and he's running around like trying to find a place to hide and then he encounters um multiple dead bodies (laughs) you know he's like figuring out like where his friends have gone yeah, he's, um, it's Josh and Simon that he sees like oh, explicitly, yeah. right? Because it's yeah. Josh's foot and then he finds Simon in the like the very like floralized bloody goal pose, basically. Yeah. And uh, like he, and he's still like under the influence of of what they gave him because you can still see like the flowers pulsating ever so yeah. gently. Yeah, it was freaky. And it's just interesting to me how this movie kind of presented um, what is traditionally like a role um, for a female character for mm-hmm. it to kind of be um, put through like a male lens. I don't know if that's like the right way to say it, but like, no, I think that's a fair, a fair way to assess that. Um, yeah. Like, and I do, I do feel like this is like, a very neutral view camera. Like I wouldn't necessarily say that we have like either like female gaze or male gaze. Cause I don't think that I don't feel like there's anything really like done specifically to titillate one way or the other or sway that right. one way or the other. Um, you know, we, we almost take the viewpoint of like, not quite documentarians, but like, like we're, mm. we're, we're spectators in this and we are, but basically like we, we are implicated in this situation Mm -hmm. in our spectatorship Um, as, as that, like we, we as the audience are also giving in a way by continuing to watch, giving our approval of what's happening Um, and, you know, more so than just being along with the ride because of how this film draws us in both with the, like I said before, with the patterning of like, you know, the intensity right off the bat. And then, you know, the more normalization, like, um, you know, by the time we hear Connie scream, like nobody even goes to look. Nobody oh, like yeah. don't even flinch. People just go, what was that? Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Like <laughs> just like continue. Like, yeah, <laughs> like yeah we've happened. seen people leap off a cliff. Anything that's going to happen is going to happen in front of our faces. Obviously. Yeah. Obviously that's crazy. Yeah. Um, speaking of things happening in front of our faces, there are two, <laughs> there are two scenes in particular where I literally like jaw dropped hand covering my mouth which is like the first time that that's happened to me in a while like the, i think mm-hmm. the last time that happened was the og texas chainsaw massacre <laughs> oh, <laughs> one of my favorites 
Uh, I have I, a bobblehead of him somewhere behind. Oh, me. really? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I it, but... yeah. It that that movie scarred me. I think I've said that a lot recently. Like that movie scarred oh, no. me a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yay, but no, but ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it did what well, it was supposed to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It certainly did. Um, but I yeah, can the... give you something to laugh at real quick. If you oh want. yes, I would side note. Yes. So one of my favorite tidbits about that is that like. When Leatherface is um, is chasing Sally and is like trying to like looking around in the hallway and then stops and then runs up the stairs after her, uh-huh. it is because he is so stoned that he forgot what he was supposed to do. <laughs> they were so stoned, and oh so he was God. like, I, "I'm gonna get her. Where the fuck was I? Oh yeah, stairs!" And then runs up the stairs. And so now, when you watch it, you'll have that little little like heart reprieve. <laughs> I love that. Oh my god. I, I have been wanting to re-watch it because I, I saw that it's celebrating its 50th anniversary. So. Yes. In yeah. uh 2024, we get the 50th anniversary of Texas Chainsaw Massacre and the original Black Christmas. <sighs> That's right. Mm-hmm. I did love the the original Black Christmas, which mm-hmm. ultimately inspired Halloween, which is my one of my favorites so yes yay Yay. um okay sorry continue Uh, oh there were two two jaw-dropping moments yes yes um so the first one was after the whole like elders jump off of the cliff and Mm -hmm. they um smash the head in of the one guy and i was Mm -hmm. like straight up like (gasps) like the the effects were like immaculate yes. in that sense oh my god yes <laughs> yeah and piggybacking off of that um Ari Aster does this thing where he's like okay I'm gonna take this tender like very sad moment and we're gonna linger on it for a bit and then we're gonna immediately jump cut to something absolutely disturbing to take you out of that so quickly (laughs) (laughs) he does that in hereditary with um you know with um what's her name uh charlie's head with the ants and stuff on the side yes the the moment that he does that in this movie is when uh pele and danny are like oh my god our parents are dead like oh Mm -hmm. um uh what's his name christian might come back and see us having this tender moment oh no and then it's like jump cut to the burning of the elders and it's like they're smashed in heads Mm -hmm. (laughs) it just like immediately takes you out of that moment and i literally had to pause the movie for a second and gather myself because i was like i was not expecting that right after this okay so that's where we're at right noted uh, yeah i should have been better prepared for that um (laughs) (laughs) the uh second moment speaking of leatherface uh was when um i think it's the girl that like lures him away right is wearing his somebody is wearing yeah mark's face mark's face yeah i almost yeah mark's face somebody's wearing his face and i was like Oh my god! <laughs> I was like that was not expected. Yeah, I, I, where he was like Mark, and I was like, "No, bro, oh, yeah. sir, like, mm, no, sir, you you know better, sir." Like, you haven't seen that man in a full twenty four hours. You really think he came back and was like, 
Let me come back nude and stand in the doorway of the temple to grunt at my friend. Yeah? Okay. Yeah, this is okay to you? Like, this this is what Mark does? <laughs> I Look, I'm not necessarily saying I disbelieve that. I'm just saying that yeah. question it. Yeah, I just question it. Question it. <laughs> yeah. Also, why do you recognize your friend's face so stretched out in the darkness like that? Yeah, like he like you he walks up to the camera like as he's like looking down at um Josh's like bashed in head mm-hmm. and it's like <laughs> I was like that it looks like Mark but right it's recognizable like, yeah like close but... up but like far away in the dark like that I maybe he recognized yeah. his hoodie or something I don't I know don't, I didn't think that the person was dressed I thought they were like nude wearing his oh, maybe. face, <laughs> which, so that, you know, that begs other questions. Like, how do you know what he looks like? Did y'all live together? And you just, I mean, but like, I, I don't know. I'm not going to get into the, the that, but <laughs> I'm, I'm all here for that. Like, yeah. be as close friends as you want, like yeah. bond, however you desire. However, I personally am glad that I was not sexually excited to see a nude human wearing someone else's face because that was very relieving to me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I again, sat there, jaw dropped, like, yeah. oh, oh, shit. Yep. That's where we're at. I was like, I oh, can't. okay. Another reference to Leatherface, my favorite. And here comes the cat. <gasps> Kitty. Lilo, come here. Give me your butt. <laughs> Kitty Cat said, I have some thoughts too. I have some thoughts on Meow Summer. <laughs> um, she has feelings about that, that I just scooped yeah. her up. Okay. <laughs> She'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, no, those are some solid call outs. Like I, I, there, there's not a whole lot of times that I, I will like bring my hands up to my face. There's a couple of things that like have gotten me. A lot of times I've, I've realized that like, and I think it's just because I watch way too much horror yeah. that like a lot of times I just go, nope, don't like that. Yeah. Mm-mm. No, thank you. No, no. And just keep watching or I'm like, oh, well, <laughs> indeed. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I'm just a startled I, gentleman. <laughs> I've done say, that with um, the Saw movies. Like my husband was watching through them. Mm hmm. And so I like I was like coming in and out of it, because um, uh, he was like watching on TV or on his phone or whatever. So I would come in every now and again, and there would just be some times where I'm just like covering my face with my t-shirt and watching through my t-shirt because I don't <laughs> want to see like like body horror just kind of like gets me a little bit, and I'm like, mm, uh, nope, nope. Like, because you have visceral feelings. Yeah, yeah, like I'm kind of like, oh no, I don't want to, I don't want to imagine that. <laughs> you think that's part of why um, the moments in this film were so effective is because there, there's some basic feelings that we can extrap- extrapolate into, like mm. the horror of the larger nature of it. Like, you yeah. know, yes, the effects, the effects in this film were great, but like, you know, we've all like stubbed our toe or like 
broke a nail or like ripped something off some, you know, like maybe even broken something. Right. So we all have some sort of like frame of reference of pain for like when he like, I'm sorry, that was the dumbest way to jump off a cliff ever. Like, why the fuck would you jump feet down? Um, not to critique your suicide, my my sir, but why? Why would you jump like that? <laughs> like, and so, you know, or we've gotten like accidentally bopped ourselves in the face, like trying to get a hoodie on or something and been like, well, that was fucking smart. Yeah. And so the thought of being hit that hard is immediately like visceral to us. Oh, yeah. And like the and then that idea of, you know, seeing someone that should be one of your closest companions in the dark and then realizing it is in fact only like a twisted mirror of them in the worst possible way. Like mm. those are two both very deep, like very relatable betrayals, you know, and oh, yeah. I'm not saying I'm hoping that nobody here is likely uh, <laughs> is doing things that will potentially encounter, give them the, the uh, raised possibility to encounter a hammer to the face or, <laughs> you know, someone wearing your friend's face, but you know, like those are obviously nightmarish scenarios within like things that would already be horrific for us. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like, yeah. And that's a good point. I think that is part of the reason why I was like, holy shit. Like, yeah. this is this is crazy. Like, <laughs> does everybody see what I'm watching? <laughs> does yeah. everybody see this? <laughs> There's no magic. There's no, there's no, maybe this is supernatural. This yeah. is just human horror influenced by psychedelics, you know, it's, yeah. and so it remains in that like tangible realm. Uh, and those things I think always like kind of fuck me up a little bit. Um, there's, there's another movie that's outside the tangible realm, but that's another tangent that we can talk about another day. <laughs> um, that movie like, <laughs> Damien Runa's uh, terrified, not terrifier with Art the Clown, but terrified. There is a uh, moment in that film where I was like, oh, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> um, yeah, I was just like, hmm, I'm not going to nope out of this film because I'm really enjoying it, but fuck you, sir. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> well, I think that is a perfect place to wrap up this uh discussion <laughs> um do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to share on this film i really i really love talking about midsummer because every time i get to talk about it with someone i feel especially someone that is excited about it like you know we've all had conversations with combative horror watchers that like want you to know you're dumb for liking something but that's not you know, hopefully you're not having many of those discussions, but right. <laughs> this really is a, one of the films that as I dig into it, I can see both the echoes of folk horror films that came before it and some new things where it's entirely itself. And like with your observations, like this is the first time I've gotten to talk about the film as being like an inversion, uh, one of the few inversions that I've can think of offhand of like the final girl trope um, where we're not getting it absolutely, but it's a side of the film I haven't discussed before. Yeah. And, you know, it's, that's one of the things that I really love about this. And 
you know, the actors in it are all, they're all wonderful because they're all, they're all completely believable. Like I, you know, was prepared to, to completely have hate for the, the people that played Christian and Mark, even though they're both just really wonderful actors. Yeah. You know, and the other thing that I, I would urge people to do is when you're looking into this film, um, you know, there, there is the theatrical cut and then there's a director's cut and you can watch at least one of the cut scenes um, separately on YouTube. And I do, especially if you're interested in the way that like one of the other Horga rituals and um, a little bit more defining of like who Danny is and who Christian is, I would say to seek out that extra scene um it uh telegraphs connie's fate a little bit and kind of tells us like what likely happened to her and Mm. also shows a little bit more like if you're on the fence of danny's personality and christian's personality it is a scene that gives some more i feel personally definition to the two of them um so yeah i just yeah i haven't seen that yeah, if if um, I'll see if I can find a link and I'll send it to you because um, I had watched it separately as well, just because um, finding a streamable version with of the director's cut um, can be a little bit frustrating. But even like that one scene, I felt like just may made a little bit more of a definitive difference yeah. to me. Um, so yeah, it's a. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting, an interesting uh, discussion of grief and folk horror and daylight horror, and uh, to be wary of what you feel as a good for her story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed this film, and I loved kind of like. I mean, obviously our discussion, like I've realized a couple things like mm-hmm. as we're discussing, like, oh, I didn't even like catch that. Like that's mm-hmm. and I I feel like a lot of A24 is that like mm-hmm. some people notice some things that other people don't, you know, so I and particularly both of Ari Aster's films right. um, have a lot of that where it's like the more you watch, the more you notice Um this one I feel is a little more straightforward than hereditary was. I feel like Mm -hmm. hereditary had a lot more like little kind of hidden Easter eggs since it is a little more of like an occult supernatural ish type movie. But, Mm -hmm. um, whereas this one's a little, not necessarily straightforward, but like, you know, you're seeing kind of everything (laughs) for the most part. Yeah. It's, he does different things with the deception levels that the cults Mm -hmm. partake in. Um, I'm really, I'm really curious to see what else we get from Ari Aster. Cause he definitely like his themes of like familial trauma and grief and cults uh, seem to keep coming up. And I know that um, Bo is afraid was definitely like a friend described it as, as like a three hour exercise in anxiety. Um, oh, wow. Which yeah. I haven't seen it yet. And they, Neither they, they liked it a lot, but I'm going to take my time and watch that at home. Cause <laughs> I packed my own anxiety lunch. Um, but I, I'm just, I'm curious to see 
what else we get from him both collaboratively and when he is allowed to to flow freely with his ideas yeah yeah i agree it'll be interesting i don't think he Mm -hmm. has very much as far as like like films and stuff i don't think he's done Mm -hmm. a whole lot yet so i'm kind of three features and there's uh there is a short of his that comes before hereditary that gets talked about a lot it's um it's like something about the johnsons or we have to talk about the johnsons something like that oh okay um but it's an it's another one that has um some some deep family trauma discussions in it um but yeah a24 loves their their family trauma (laughs) yes (laughs) <laughs> yes <laughs> that's, that's like a theme i've noticed throughout this entire like watching of all of a24 like every last one of them <laughs> yeah like a24 is like me when i hear somebody mention cannibal holocaust like you will run through a fucking house and like <laughs> fly out a back door leave conversations to like <laughs> run in and be like i heard someone mention yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I love busting it. into the room like it's a sitcom. Did somebody say trauma? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Well, it is. It has been so much fun talking to you, Murphy. I am so happy we got to do this together. Thank you so um, much for having me. You're absolutely. a delight, and Thank I you. cannot wait to drag you on Queerdo Babes because yes. I can't wait to dig into uh, your your pick. Yes. And uh, yeah, so uh, keep on the lookout for that, listeners, because uh, we have one cooking up for uh, Murphy's pod that will be very fun. Um, if you so- want, you can tell them your your film pick. I don't keep secrets unless you want me to. <laughs> okay, well, I'll I'll go ahead and say um, it is uh, the Korean film Gon- Gonjium, I think is how you say it. Mm-hmm. Gonjiam Haunted Asylum, which is so uh, one of my favorites. <laughs> uh, one of the the few horror films that I watched like prior to me doing the podcast. So um, so it's great. But we're going to do that for Murphy's pod soon. Mm-hmm. But Murphy, I would love for you to tell our listeners where they can find you on the internet. Oh my gosh. Uh, if you, if you <laughs> If you so desire to find me, um, you can find me on Instagram at Queerdo Babes Podorama um, and pretty much wherever you get podcasts from um, at uh, Queerdo Babes from the Horror Podorama. And if you forget that, you're always welcome to look me up under Murphy underscore Lawless and I will remind you of all of the silly ass things that I do. Um <laughs> You know, disclaimer, it's predominantly horror cats, my butt, and depression. So, you know, <laughs> that's that's what you can expect from my personal page. Yes. <laughs> and uh, if you are in the Richmond area, please do come out to Fallout and join us for the horror movie nights. Um, you know, it's very chill. You don't have to be a member. I, it's basically just us decompressing on a Monday with some movies, some wings, tofu bombs, you know, whatever else we feel like snacking on. And, you know, I always try to post like what the movies are going to be. So that way, like you can make sure it's something that gels with your vibe or that you want to check out. Like think of it like horror charcuterie. You might not get to enjoy like the whole thing or get full off it, but you'll get a little taste and know what you want to seek out. 
Yes. And I haven't made my way out there yet, but I need to. So (laughs) I'd love to have you there. So if you're thinking about coming out one night, let me know and I'll make sure I hang. So that way you've got like, you know, a buddy to to sit with and like get the vibe. And so you're not just in the corner like, cool. I'm just like, all right. Hi, I'm new here. (laughs) I'm the new kid at school. (laughs) They're super nice. So awesome. Well, I love that. And um, thank you listeners for joining Murphy and I today on another episode of Super Scary. Uh, Next week is our finale episode. Uh, Like I mentioned, uh, um, our season three finale is with Hereditary with the Scared Gay podcast. Um, I've already recorded that episode and Paul and Pablo are a freaking hoot. And yes, so make sure you stay on the lookout for that. Stay on the lookout for um, our next collab with Murphy on their podcast. And yeah, we'll see you next Monday. Bye. Give Josh five stars on everything. Oh, hell yeah. As you should. (laughs) I always forget to say that. Yeah. Sorry. No, you're good. No, thanks for reminding me. Please leave a like and review. and all the things. Um, And we'll see you next Monday. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Super Scary. Super Scary is hosted, produced, and edited by yours truly, Josh. The podcast is executively produced by myself and my husband, Frank. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Super Scary Podcast and email us at superscarypodcast at gmail.com. Please give us a review and rating on your favorite podcast listening platform. Super Scary is a proud part of the Deus Ex Media Network, a collection of fandom podcasts for nerds of all types. Stick around after the show to get a sneak peek at one of our network siblings' shows. See you next Monday on another episode. Stay scared and be super. Bye-bye. I'm Christina Kahn. And I'm Leela Hilton. And this is Burn Before Reading. The podcast about shitterature. We're here to examine the terrible writing we did when we were younger. Uh, like that school project you were really proud of. Or that poem you wrote when you got dumb. Well, how about that apology letter you wrote to your mom when you got into that fight? Or the song you recorded before you knew how to write music. Okay, don't at me. <laughs> and we're here to talk about other cringy literary topics along the way. Like the Library of Alexandria. And Dewey Decimal. His name was Melville. Melville Dewey. Oh, well, do we want to get the clips rolling? I don't think I ever recovered from this in terms of being cool. Why did I say any of this? I do like the drama. So there is actually quite a bit to unpack here. Oh, all this drama was so addictive as a teenager. There's no punctuation to it. I'll start with that. I actually have no memory of this. There were so many, so many lies that I was telling. It's not terrible. No one like really taught me how to write a good short story. That was a journey. Listen to Burn Before Reading every Wednesday, wherever pods are cast. Dave X Media.